You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Bin, and I'm the pastor. Always a joy to uh, stand for you. For those joining us for the first time, I, I met some new people this morning. Thank you for being here. And uh, you know, one of the things I've realized in just leading this church over the years is that uh, Sunday is a great day for us to come as the family of God, yeah, together around His Word, to worship, to encourage one another. And Jason, thank you so much for reminding us that we, we are not a, a perfect community. Uh, we are all broken people. But praise God, we follow a perfect Savior who has grace upon us, who loves us, who cares for us and leads us. So thank you, brother, for serving us so well and just loving our community and leading faithfully here. Uh, For those joining us online, um, great to have you with us. Our prayers is always that you would be here in the physical and really uh, engage with us and worship with us and be encouraged with us. And if you are needing care, if you're needing support, please reach out. Uh, Contact your Connect leader or email care at sunlife.org or call the church office and one of the leaders will be there to support you in this season here. Well, church, this morning here, we continue on our series in Mark, and this is the passage where there is a blind beggar who meets a savior. So the passage of study is in Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 46 to 52. So get your Bibles out, get out the church app, and I'm going to read the Word of God, and I'll give you some observation. Here's the Word of God in Mark 10, 46 to 52. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, get on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped onto his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. And the last verse, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Here's the context here. Jesus and the disciples and the crowd are passing through Jericho as they head towards Jerusalem. This is the time of the year of the Passover feast, where all the Jewish people would gather in Jerusalem to remember what took place in Exodus. When God told Moses, Moses, tell the people to smear the blood of a lamb on the door frames so that the angel of death would pass over. Anyone who did not place the blood on the door frame, the angel of death would visit and take the firstborn. So every year, This time of the year, the Jewish people would gather back into Jerusalem to remember the Passover. 
And here we have Jesus and the disciples and a crowd passing through Jericho, heading towards Jerusalem. And if you know your Bible, the next chapter, which is what we'll study next week, is chapter 11, where we have the triumphal entry, which is Palm Sunday, when Jesus gets to Jerusalem and they are shouting out, Hosanna, the one who saves. And they're getting the palm leaves and branches and they're placing on the ground. They will take off their cloaks and they will lay before Jesus as Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem, right? I mean, there is excitement, there is energy, it is full of passion. And it reminded me of like a wedding. Like, if you've been to a wedding just recently, you know, you get the announcement that the bridal party have made their way to the church building, and now there's that excitement, right? There's that anticipation. You, you, you see the bridesmaid making their entrance down the aisle one at a time, and once the last bridesmaid have found her position now, it's the moment we've been waiting for, the bride. Yeah, the bride walks down with her father, Oh, I know there's a few of you getting married, right? You're, you're probably excited just hearing me preach right now, yeah? Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're looking and down the aisle, the bride with the father walking down. I mean, at that moment, the very last thing you want is a crying baby. <laughs> like if you are carrying a crying baby, you do whatever you can to just shut the baby up. Or, or a silly teenager who forgets to turn off their mobile phone. Yeah, yeah. Or someone being a bit inappropriate and shouting out, Woohoo! She's a stunner! Someone's lucky! Yeah. I mean, if you were in the church building and that happened, how would you respond? Keep it down. Shut that baby. Turn off the phone. And so, what we see right here is Jesus making his way through Jericho with a crowd, with the disciple. There is anticipation, there is excitement, and we find, what do we find? We find a blind beggar by the side of the road, and what does he do? He shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. How inappropriate, how inconsiderate, how rude. I mean, don't you know that this is Jesus, the one that we have been waiting for? You're a blind beggar. Leave this Jesus alone. This is the great rabbi. But the text tells us that he shouts even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus brings healing. He's completely restored. And the very last verse, the Bible says he too follows the crowd and follows Jesus towards Jerusalem. There are three observations I see in the text and three things that we can learn about Jesus if we put ourselves in the shoes of Bartimaeus. These are the three things here. Is that number one, Jesus meets us in our desperation. Number two is that Jesus invites us to share with him our deepest desires. And number three, he always has time for those who call out to him, for those who are needy. And that's what I want to talk and unpack with you this morning through the text. So let me pray and we'll invite 
God's Spirit to be our great teacher. So, Father, I pray now that you would come and minister to us. Holy Spirit, will you teach us these beautiful truths that we will not just be hearers, that we will do what we hear through your word this morning, that we'll grow in the areas of obedience, in the areas of trust, in the areas of following Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So God, would you help me? Would you empower me? Would you strengthen me right now? I need your strength and your grace right now. Any distractions that we have, please take it aside as we lean in and hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here we go. He meets us in our desperation. You know, it's very safe to say that uh, Bartimaeus got up that morning, right, not expecting that his life will be forever changed. I mean, in his wildest imagination, he would not think that later that afternoon, this Jesus would walk by and he would be completely changed. What luck, hey? I mean, surely all the stars are aligned. It reminds me of chapter 5, when Jesus would cross over the other side of the Sea of Galilee and he sees this man who is demon-possessed by the name of Legion. I'm pretty sure that that man that morning did not wake up thinking that later on that day, his life will be completely changed. I mean, what luck, right? Or in chapter 7, when the Syrophoenician woman happens to meet Jesus and she's got a very sick daughter who's possessed. I'm pretty sure that that morning when she woke up, she didn't realize that later on that day, her daughter will be completely healed because Jesus spoke healing. I mean, what luck, right? Or we get here in chapter 10, this blind beggar, he's never seen Jesus before. He's blind. He's sitting by the side of the road. This is a state of hopelessness, a state of despair, a state of desperation, and Jesus happens to be walking by. I mean, what luck, right? Is it luck? Or is it Jesus who is God, who is sovereign and in control, would beat this man in his state of desperation? I mean, clearly, Bartimaeus encountered Jesus not based on his strength. He had no strength, yeah? Not based on his ability or his wisdom, but in a state of desperation. He had nothing to offer to Jesus. That is the reason why in verse 48, if you go there with me, many rebuked him. Harsh is that just shut up. Be quiet. And why would they say those words to him? Because Clearly, this is a blind man. He is a beggar. He's got nothing to offer to Jesus. He cannot follow Jesus because he cannot see what is before him. He cannot offer any branches or his cloak because he is begging. He needs these materials. He's got nothing to offer. That's the reason why we find him in the outskirts of the city because surely he's got nothing to offer society. He might as well live out in the outskirts and die a death with no one knowing. This is a picture of desperation. This is a picture of someone who is hopeless, who's got nothing to offer to God, but on that day, a God, the God, Jesus would walk by and meet him. 
Can I say this, friends, that sometimes in our most unexpected moments, when we think that God would never want to meet us, when we feel that we are so far from God, when we think that a holy God would not want anything to do with a sinning Christian, in that point of desperation, that's when He meets you. He doesn't meet the prideful or the arrogance. He meets those who are weak, those who are humble, those who are desperate, those who are broken, those who says, God, I have nowhere to run, so I'm waiting for you to come into this place where I desperately need you. That is what I see in the text right there. And if this morning you are someone who you are struggling, trying to get things together with your life, with your marriage, with your kids, with your future, even following Jesus, and you find it very, very tough, and you feel that, yeah, that's me, Pastor, because I am so desperate, that is exactly where He will meet you. Because in that point, He wants to encounter you, and He will come in a way where He will surprise you, and He will begin to deliver you. Why can I say that with confidence? Because He did that in the past. You know, when He entered into our world, when God entered into our world, it wasn't because we were perfect. It wasn't because we were ready. It wasn't because we got our act together. No, He entered into our world because we were broken. He entered into our world because we were desperate, because we were hopeless and we needed Him. And that's why He came into our world. If you have your Bible, go with me to Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5. Paul writes this, But when the set time has fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. When the Bible says you are born under the law, it means that you are born under a restriction, something that you cannot hold. In other words, if you know your Bible, the law is something that you have to hold on to if you want to receive salvation. But clearly no one can hold on to the law. We are in desperate need for God to come in and help us. And Paul would say that when we were at that point where we could not hold on to the law any further, when we are so far from God, when we are so broken in our state of desperation, He came into the world to save us. And I believe that what we see here in the text when Bartimaeus is at the side of the road, desperate, and Jesus came, not because it's luck, it's because of grace that God in His grace would meet this blind beggar to bring deliverance. And that God has not changed. That God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if you are feeling like Bartimaeus, if you feel right now that you are desperate, you feel right now you are far from God, and you feel that God, well, He probably would not want anything to do with me because of what I have done. If you are willing to be humble, if you are willing to say, God, I am desperate for you, that is where He will meet you. That is where He wants to encounter you. And I want to encourage you this morning, if that is who you are right now, you feel so far from God, and you feel that God has forgotten you, He hasn't forgotten you, my friends. He is not far, He is near, and He will come to those who are broken, those who are desperate for Him, He will meet you there. David, the great David, he writes this in Psalms 40, verses 1 to 3. He says, I wait patiently for the Lord. And He inclined to me and He heard me cry. 
David would only cry out to the Lord because he is desperate for God to come into his face. But he says, I wait patiently for him. He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the murray clay, and he set my feet on a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, a new song, a new hope, so that I can praise him, praise to be our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. This is David at a point where he is so desperate. He says, I'm in this horrible pit. I can't get out of this. And I'm going to patiently wait for you because I believe you're going to meet me in my desperation. And God gives him praises. And that's for you this morning. If you feel that you are so far from God, if you feel that God doesn't want anything to do with you because of your sin, I'm here to tell you God wants you. God loves you. He's going to meet you there in that horrible pit. He did it with Bartimaeus. He did it with that blind beggar. And he will do it with people who are broken and desperate today. But he won't do it to the proud. He won't do it with the arrogant, the prideful. But he loves to do it to those who are desperate, those who are broken, those who are humble. Can I encourage you right now that if you feel so weak, that's a great moment to cry out to God. If you feel so hopeless, feel so desperate, that's an indication to start saying, God, I'm going to cry out to you and I'm going to wait for you patiently because I believe in the word that you would meet me in my desperation. Start doing it. If you have not been doing that, change, please. If you feel that I will, I'll find my way out of this, I'll get out of this. I know what to do. I, I've read the books. I know the five steps to get out of this pit. No, no. Just pray and ask Him and be humble and wait patiently for the Lord. And if you feel weak, turn to His Word. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says this. When the Lord spoke to him, He says that, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. If you're feeling weak right now, you're feeling desperate right now, and you're waiting, and you feel, I want to give up because I've been waiting too long, know that when you are weak, the Bible says right here, His strength is made perfect in weakness. So start drawing upon His strength and not your strength or someone else's strength. Draw upon the strength of the Lord and wait patiently and believe that He will meet you in your desperation. Amen? So that's what I see right there. May God keep you in that moment where you keep trusting in Him and wait patiently for Him to meet you in your desperation. The second thing we see right here is that Jesus invites us to share our deepest desires. We'll look at the text, verse 49 onwards. Jesus stopped and said, call Him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Look at verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. You know, it's very interesting as I was studying this during the week. Like, like why did Jesus even ask Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, clearly the guy is blind. Is that right? It's very obvious. He's blind. He wants his sight back. Why did Jesus ask those questions? 
Well, if you remember in the Bible, earlier on, Herod's stepdaughter wanted the head of John the Baptist. There was a young rich man or young rich ruler. He wanted what? Eternity security. And then you have the sons of Zebedee, James and John, who wanted what? Extraordinary glory. And right here, Jesus says, Bartimaeus, what do you want? And I'm pretty sure Bartimaeus could have either said, I want wealth. Yeah, I mean, why not? This is Jesus, right? Uh, Power would be nice. Oh, success. A family. Jesus, I want a family. It would be nice to have a companion. A good paying job. Anti-aging ability. That would be nice for me and a lot of us. Get rid of those wrinkles. Here's the thing. Friends, listen carefully. Here's the thing. Jesus will ask you and I the very same question. What do you want me to do for you? And how we answer that question reveals our heart. How we answer that question exposes our deepest desires. Think about that. You can be very careful when Jesus asks those questions, what can I do for you? Because I think a lot of times we get the answer wrong. Because when our deepest desires are in line with God's desire, things happen. When your desire and God's desire are aligned, you will get it. But when it's not aligned, it ain't going to happen. God's going to say to you, tell me what you want. What's your deepest desires? It's not like a genie in a bottle where the genie will give you whatever you want. God will say, tell me what is in your heart. But here's a clause. If your deepest desires is aligned with my desire, it will happen. If it's not, I love you too much to not allow it to happen. I'll prove it to you. Psalms 37, 4, one of my favorite verses, it reads this, Delight yourself in the Lord. Oh, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. There's a condition there. Delight in the Lord. Love Him. Know Him. Pursue Him. Get His will, and then He will give the desires of your heart. If you don't delight in the Lord, and you delight in the flesh... If you delight in this culture, if you delight in whatever other than the Lord, I I don't think He should give you your desires of the heart. That's what I think. Or how about when Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, seek first His kingdom, in other words, the things of God, His righteousness, and all the other things, all these things will be given to you as well. Again, can you see that? There's a clause. You want the things of your heart? You want all these things? Great. Ask yourself the question, is it in line with the will of God? Because He will ask you the question, hey, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And how you answer that question will reveal whether your will is aligned with God's will. And that's what we see in the text here. I mean, I've got three beautiful children, 
One of them is in the auditorium, so I've got to be careful how I use this illustration. But if, 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 my, if my children said, hey, Dad, I, I want for Christmas a new computer. Oh, yeah, a new MacBook because it's going to help me with my studies and because it's part of the school requirements. I mean, what's the deal with it? When did school start demanding computers? Back in my day, it was a pen and paper, man. And I got by. Amen. Preach it. And so if my son says, hey, Dad, I want a computer because it's part of the school's curriculum, whatever, and it's going to help me with my study, surely that resonates with me, and I want my kids to do well in school. It shall be yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. It's aligned with the Father's will. But if my son said, Dad, I want a new computer because it helps me get to the next level of Fortnite and my online gaming and because all my friends got these super-duper fast computer and mine's very, very slow... There's a reason why your computer is slow, son, right? <laughs> right? Because that's going to help me get to the next level because I can shoot fast or I can slash people fast, whatever they do. I have no idea. Well, that's not aligned with my will. It shall not be done. Preach it. All the parents. <laughs> Amen, right? Are you resonating with me, right, parents? Okay, so that's a good sermon illustration to teach your kids God's will, your will. All right. But that's the same here. And so I think what's very important for us to understand is that what Jesus says to us, what can I do for you? How we answer that question reveals our deepest desire. And if our desire is aligned with God's desire, He wants to hear us. He wants to hear our deepest desires. And so what we need to do is Learn the will of the Father. Amen? We need to know what is it that God wants for me. We need to know Him well. That's why I read, you know, in John's epistle, if you go with me to 1 John 5, I think he makes it very clear. He says that if you align your will with the Father's will, it shall be done. He says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. It's very obvious, right? I mean, parents, you can agree with me, right? You're, if your child is asking something that you disagree, you might be nodding, but it ain't coming in. But if it's in alignment with what you believe in and agree, there's a resonance. And that's what I want to encourage us when Jesus asked the question, what can I do for you? And you reveal your deepest desires. My prayer is that your deepest desires is in line with God's desire. Delight in Him. Seek Him first. Know Him. And maybe right now for some of us, you are feeling a bit frustrated because some of the things you're asking for ain't happening. And you think that God doesn't love you. And you think that maybe there's something wrong with you. Could it be that you need to really work out the Father's will. Align yourself with His will. Start knowing Him. Start knowing Him through His Word. Start knowing Him through your intimacy daily. Pray. Be in a, a small group. That's why at Sun Life Church, we, we always talk about be in a small community group, a connect group, so there's other people helping you in this journey of discipleship. All that helps you to grow, to know Him, 
to know his will, to align with him. Amen? Thirdly, Jesus, he always has time for those in need. Look in verse 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received sight and followed Jesus along the road. This last verse here talks of the faith of Bartimaeus that resulted in Jesus giving him sight. But I want to take it from a different angle. What I see here as I was studying during the week is that Jesus has a mission. He's heading towards Jerusalem because this is the week leading towards his death. There's a heaviness, there's a sorrow, there's a burden. But people are cheering him on. So he's heading towards the the, the city. But I love the fact that he stopped. He has time for this blind beggar. In fact, by now, we should know that in Mark's gospel, it's an action-packed gospel. Is that right? Jesus is immediately going from one place to the next, yeah, doing one thing after the other. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's welcoming sinners. He's loving and embracing people. But despite the busyness of his ministry, we never find Jesus being rushed. He's never hurried. Is that right? He's always in control. He always has time for the needy. Uh, many years ago, uh, I, I, I read somewhere that young children, kids, they spell love as T-I-M-E. Kids spell the word love as T-I-M-E, time. I mean, a child is always going to remember who was there for them. Yeah? Not necessarily what was given to them because they will outgrow gifts and toys and outfits. But they'll never outgrow time that their parents would spend with them. You know, there's an amazing testimony in our church where someone um, goes to the playgroup on Friday mornings at our church and this individual is not even part of our church. This person don't know Jesus yet, so this person don't come here on Sunday. And this particular family, they were moving houses and the volunteers at our playgroup found out about this and said to the couple, hey, we can help out. And so they took care of the little one so that the parents could move. I mean, surely that couple in our church could have said, hey, here's some money for the removalists. But I think giving up your time to be with someone, to take care of their children or helping them unpack and pack and moving is more powerful than money for a removalist. Is that right? So when you give your time to someone, it's a practical way of displaying your love for them. And what we see right here is a God who says, I'm on a mission to the cross. This is the last week because we do know in the Bible, as he enters into Jerusalem, he's got five more days before he's crucified. He knows he's going to the cross, but he says, I have time for you. Why? Because I love you. Why? Because you are not a blind beggar because you're also made in the image of God. You are worthy. You are precious. And I'm going to stop and I'm going to interact with you and I'm going to give you sight. You know, God always has time for you and for me. We always should be calling out to God, 
in our times of need. He wants to be there with us. Jeremiah 33, 3 reads this. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Or when Jonah was inside the belly of a fish, I call out of my distress to the Lord and he what? He answered me. I cried for help for the Lord. Jesus will always stop and have time for those in need. He has time for you and for me. But you notice what happened when Bartimaeus received that moment with Jesus and that love of Jesus. Look carefully with me in verse 52 again. At the very end. Immediately he received his sight and he did what? He followed Jesus along the road. Bartimaeus followed Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you are known as a what? A disciple. You're known as a follower. When Jesus offers us his time and his love, the proper response is to follow Jesus. That's the proper response. The love of Jesus must lead to a lifestyle of discipleship. That is so true. If you and I, who are recipients of God's time and God's love, the proper response is to follow his son, Jesus. That we are to be disciples of Jesus. To do what Jesus wants us to do. To go where Jesus wants us to go, even if it is to the cross, like Bartimaeus. Jesus has time for us. Do we have time for him? That's why sometimes as a pastor of this church here, you encourage me a lot. Just even this morning here in our church. Uh, someone in Sun Life Kids uh, was not feeling too well and could not come and serve the kids. But a fellow worker in Sun Life Kids says, I will jump in. I will help out. That encourages me so much. That speaks of a person who says that my love for Jesus is so real that when another brother and sister is in need, I'm going to jump in and help out. You know, when you follow Jesus and when you decide to follow Him, it's going to be costly. It's going to take up your time. But remember the Jesus who gave up His time to die for you on the cross, to love you. And the proper response is to follow Him. Can we continue to follow Jesus? Can we continue to do the things of Jesus? Continue to be like Jesus? Continue to go where Jesus wants us to go? I mean, Sunday morning is great when we come here to encounter Him, and I all love that. I think it's very easy for us to follow Jesus on a Sunday. Amen? I think it's very easy for us to say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus on a Sunday, because on a Sunday when we come here, we're encouraged by the worship team, we're encouraged by the Word of God, we're encouraged by other Christians. Look around, there's two, three hundred people here just really loving Jesus. But I think we're called to follow Him every day of the week. And it gets a lot harder tomorrow, Monday. You know, Monday-itis comes tomorrow when you don't want to go to work, <laughs> right? But we're still called to be like Jesus on Monday. Or midweek when it gets very tough. Midweek, oh no, it's Wednesday, Thursday. I cannot wait for my connect group. I cannot wait for Sunday. You know, it's not going to be easy. But if He, Jesus, has loved us first, the proper response is to keep following Him no matter how tough it is. To go up that hill even if the road is narrow, 
And even at the very end, there's a cross. Go there. Keep knowing Jesus. Keep loving Jesus. Keep proclaiming Jesus. Keep serving Jesus. Keep being Jesus in the community that God will place you as of tomorrow. For some of us, when you are a boss of an organization or a company or a business, be Jesus in that environment. For some of us here, your students, be Jesus to your fellow peers. For some of us at home, you may have loved ones who do not know Jesus. Be Jesus there. Be Jesus. Why? Because the proper response to the time and love of God is a lifestyle of discipleship. He has a lot of time for us. We all know that, amen? But sometimes we go, that's great for me. Oh, I need help. He comes to me, which is great. But how you respond is very important. And the proper response is to keep following Him, to keep doing the things He wants you to do, to keep going to places where He wants you to go. And you struggle with that? Hey, it's okay. We're a family. We're a church. We're going to encourage you. We're going to keep inspiring you to keep following Jesus. That's our job as a family. All right? Until the day He returns or the day He takes us home. Keep your personal disciplines. Praying, reading, silence and solitude. Keep it all up. But don't forget your corporate gatherings. Sunday, in your small group, being part of a serve group. All that helps us to keep being baptized. Amen. So those three things again. In the interaction where the blind beggar met the Savior. Jesus meets us in our desperation. He invites us to share our deepest desires. And He has time for that. Don't forget, the time and love, the proper response is to keep following Him. Let me pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us that uh, Jesus, you love us and we are the blind beggars by the side of the road that you would come in your grace oh wow to meet us to encounter us we thank you so God whatever that you've spoken to us through your word this morning whatever uh, word that you have given to us Lord may we not just be hearers but we would be obedient to it we would do it as a behalf of you Lord we want to grow more and more like you each and every day and so we invite you to have your way in our lives